0: Hey friends, welcome to Monday, February the 27th. We're into a new week and this week a new month. March is upon us and uh, we start a new week today and I'm so glad that you joined me for today's episode of Enough for Today. It's been a minute since I've recorded, I pre-recorded prior to my uh, break with Dana. We just had a great time away and rested, restored, walked a lot in the sun, held hands a lot and made some good memories. And we got back Saturday and just enjoyed an incredible day yesterday. I'm so thankful for what God's doing at our church. We had a wonderful morning. We, we dove into John 12. We just got to the first point of the message. Here's what happened. I prepared this, this message trying to press in and cover as much scripture as I could. And I realized on Saturday as I was going through it, I'm not, I, I, I can't just fly by the triumphal entry. There's too much here. There's too much significance. There's too much prophecy uh, that that folds into this event so I've just got to split this message. So we only did uh, the first point of, of a four-point message yesterday. But what a beautiful uh, story it is. What an, what an amazing account of Jesus presenting himself as the Lamb of God in Jerusalem, received in the triumphal entry superficially. Uh, the, you know, uh, Hosanna, save us now, waving the palm branches. But just superficial. They don't really understand. The title of the message is Loved Enough to Lose. And the, 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 the idea of that will come out in the, in the coming week where Jesus said he's going to die and he will, if, if a corn of wheat dies, it will, it will grow much fruit. And then he says the same thing to his followers. If you are gonna come after me, you're gonna lose your life, but you're going to gain real life. And uh, so loved enough to lose. Jesus' love draws us into a relationship that it's okay to lose what he leads us to lose because we're okay in him. We're loved enough to be able to absorb that loss and actually thrive with the kind of life he gives us. So we'll, we'll press into that next Sunday and I hope you'll track with us. It's up on the live stream. It'll air tonight at seven o'clock as well on the Monday Night Rewind. So anyway, that's, uh, that's Sunday. We had a great lunch afterwards. So many new people, over 100 new people came to that lunch and we fellowshiped and enjoyed the time with them and uh, just thanking God. So here we are on Monday and a new week, new day, and we get to again go out into this week, loving people, blessing people, serving people, representing Jesus to others, being His voice, His hands, His feet, and uh, so do it, my friend. Be live in the significant life He's given you. Live in joy. Live in um, in in context of the gospel, and bring anybody you can into um, into proximity to the truth and the reality and the hope. That is Jesus. I spent um, time yesterday talking to two different individuals that were not saved, but seeking Jesus. And they came to our lunch. um, And they straight up said, I don't know what this is. It's all new to me. I've never been to church. I don't know anything about Christianity. But I'm missing something and I'm seeking truth. That is actually what they said. Um, And that story is happening all across the world and definitely all across our country. And for those of us in New England, it is everywhere we turn. God is, uh, evil is taking its mask off. And when evil takes its mask off and reveals itself as overtly evil, spiritual evil, then those that are truly desiring truth go, wait, uh, that's not what I signed up for. And, And they take a second look. At Jesus and we as believers are to be ready to step into those conversations um, and to anticipate them and we as a church are to be ready to receive those people because the spirit of God is uh, awakening them and uh, it's a wonderful thing. Maybe we're on the edge of another greater awakening. Wouldn't that be awesome sure is what I would pray for and I would want to be a part of as our church family in New England. Wow. Well, I've talked too much already, and I apologize. I'm six minutes in, and uh, we left off Friday at a very critical point in Psalm 73, Asaph, because he's envious of the flourishing of the wicked, the apparent flourishing of the wicked. His mind and heart have gone down a dark rabbit hole of doubt, despair, cynicism. He actually regrets being a follower of God. He regrets being in the ministry. He's a worship leader. And it's just too painful for him. It's overwhelming. So look at verse 15. He says, if I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, when I tried to understand, it was too painful for me. Now here's the hinge. Here's the turning point. Verse 17, until, until. Now here's what I want to comment on before we read the rest of the verse. All of his doubt, all of his emotional fog, all of his feelings of despair were artificial. They were not true. They were not representative of actual reality. They were distortion. His mind, his emotions had gone down a dark hole of distortion. He was deceiving himself into this dark place of essentially depression. Okay? So the question you're asking by verse 16 is, what is going to happen? How could this be scripture? This man is saying, I wish I hadn't ever followed God. It would have been better to be wicked because they're flourishing. They seem to be doing well. They don't have the troubles that followers of God have. So as a reader, there's kind of an enigma, a mystery enfolded into this psalm of worship. You're going, how is this worship? There's, it's full of doubt and skepticism. It's full of dark thoughts and depression. and seems to be almost anti-God. And uh, you're wondering, where is this going to go? What's the uh, resolution to the mystery? What's, what's the solution to the enigma that is rising in this text? What's going to jolt uh, Asaph out of his fog and get him back online with truth, with reality? What's going to clear the fog And show him the sun is still shining, okay? And show him, remind him what truth is. Well, until gives us a clue. The word until says, well, there's something that happened because he didn't stay where he was. He was there until, all right? Well, let's read it. Until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then understood I their end. Now, I'm gonna pause here with this verse because there's enough here just to meditate on Until I went into the sanctuary of God. Now, for all intents and purposes, our modern-day version of the sanctuary is the church. It's the local gathering, the local assembly of the body of Christ, the believers. When Asaph went to the place of worship, when he was gathered together with the people of God, Doing worship with those people, learning and hearing the teaching of the Word of God, singing the songs of the character and the faithfulness and the redemptive heart of God, the truth broke through again. The truth embodied in uh, the worship, the truth embodied in the Word, the truth embodied in the fellowship, in the community of believers that was there in the sanctuary, temple, ground, presence. Uh, at the time it was sanctuary, it became temple. That was what jolted him. That's what brought him back. You could call it revival. You could call it renewal. You could call it just simple clarity of truth. What is true? And uh, where is faith really rested? But here's my point, my friends. We go out into the world and we fight the spiritual battles Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then we have midweek. We have groups and, and we have teens and and. Kids and we gather midweek, and there's that bit of a refresh, that bit of a reset. We get that time of prayer, that time of encouragement, that time of teaching in our groups with our uh, with our church family, and it 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 reinfuses us. Then we go back Thursday, Friday, Saturday. The whole world's coming at us. Spiritual battle. We wrestle out against flesh and blood, principalities and powers. And we're it's all coming against us. And then we come Sunday together again. We come into the sanctuary of God. We sing His praises. We align our hearts with His truth. We hug and embrace and shake hands and share coffee and fellowship and we encourage each other and we we remind each other what is true, what is right, where we're headed. Uh, And we experience. Here's what. Here's the. the, the, This is not just a therapeutic triage. This is not just. We're not all you know collectively corporate delusion, uh, uh, or or group think. No. This here's what's happening. When we come together in the presence of worship, the presence of God, the presence of his word, and in the community of the believers, we are experiencing the presence of Jesus by his spirit, by his word. He is among us and his spirit renews us. We experience a love, a joy, a certainty, a fellowship, a communion, you could call it, uh, a, a kind of delight, a sacred blessedness that, that is nowhere else. In the world. And so we know, we are reminded, we we then understand the end of all things. Yesterday we read Revelation 19 and we understood their end. We understood Jesus came the first time offering terms of peace on the back of a donkey, but the second time he comes, he's coming on a horse, a white horse. He's coming as a conquering warrior king and he will be a righteous judge and evil will know its end. Now what jolts us out of our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday fog or skepticism coming into the sanctuary of God with the people of God, with the truth of God. Yes, I need it, you need it, we all need it. This is God's plan and it is good. Now we're gonna pick up um, tomorrow, what happened to Asaph as he went into the sanctuary that was so powerful and transformational in his thoughts. Till then, have a great day.